yeah. Uh, feel free to introduce yourself however you please. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I am a two-time Splatterpunk Award-nominated author of over a dozen novellas and novels, um, some short stories. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess my most popular are Gods of the Dark Web and Saint Sadist. Um, but my most recent are Snow Angels and Blade Job, which I think is going to be the primary topic of today's interview. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to find me um, after this interview, you like what I have to say. I do weekly newsletters at lucasmangum.com. Um, you just sign up there and you'll get you'll get me in your inbox every Monday. Wow. So, uh, oh, let's see. So you're the Splatterpunk Award nominee for the best novel with Pandemonium with Brian Harding. Um, yes. Do you have any advice for those that want to try working with other people? Oh, yeah. Collaboration is interesting. I've got some in progress that are taking a lot longer than the two that I actually have um, out, which are, you know, Pandemonium and The Final Gate were ones that actually got published. And those those took only a few months. And I think the reason why was we we kind of had a, a clear shared vision right away. Um, and I think what's key for a collaboration is to kind of have that first before you start the actual writing. I think as long as you agree, you, you kind of find a, a, an, a, I guess, common ground as to what um, what you want the book to look like and, and feel like, um, you know, I think that can be a really good jumping off point. Um, and it has to be clear, right? Like you have to know what the other person wants and they have to know what you want. And then you have to make sure that it's a clear vision because otherwise it can it can take a while because it doesn't mean that the book will not get done it just means that it might um it might take longer as if you're kind of doing it on the go i guess so begin with the unified vision of where you want this go yeah and a unification teamwork of what you want this to and the end vision of yes. the product that you're going to create um, yeah. yeah. So I, I was going to go a little bit basic with this. I'm like, what if they've never worked with anyone else ever before? We try to, we try to help people here, but, um, and with that not being good enough, you're trying to take the novella award two with Saint Sadist. Now, have you always been this greedy trying to sweep all of the awards? Oh gosh. Um, well, I've only been nominated. I have not won any, um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> no, that's an honor in and of itself, man. That's it great. Is. It is. It's great. I mean, it's I don't know. I happens to do those two um, those two books at, I guess, at times where people just really wanted that kind of stuff, or at least, you know, whoever is in charge of the Splatterpunk Awards was just that was what they were craving at the time, I guess. <laughs> okay. Now, Gods of the Dark Web, I know this is dubbed as a cult classic. Now. I please tell me about that one because Blade Job is the first I've ever read by you. Okay, yeah. So, Gods of the Dark Web was put out through Deadite Press. Um, they 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 were this. Um, they're still sort of around. They just don't publish as much. But they were kind of known for um, putting a lot of Edward Lee's, you know, on like underground books out. You know, stuff that he had not 
found um, a wide audience for just kind of so basically just really extreme stuff was what they were they were kind of interested in doing. And I I at the time um, when I was trying to trying to pitch to them, I was reading a lot about these dark web kind of horror stories about people going on and having bad things happen to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about like the internet almost as a um as a grimoire or or, or an economicon as as the kind of thing that you know you're not just contacting you know other people maybe you're un- contacting other entities or 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 whatever and i thought that was just a really cool uh story idea so i came up with this idea of a guy who goes looking for his brother who who went missing after some dark web shenanigans and then he ends up finding this finding this cult that operates in this abandoned town and yeah it's it's weird like this this kind of ancient deity that has found a way to infiltrate the internet and kind of cultivate its following that way okay growing up who was your favorite wrestler because i try to live Mm. my own life as if randy savage would like to narrate it i know he'd be bored most of the time but still (laughs) who who was your favorite wrestler Oh, Randy Savage was great. Um, I, I I liked him a lot. Um, but I don't know. I guess I guess when I was a younger child, I really liked the Ultimate Warrior. I just really liked that energy. Where it just runs to the ring and just yeah, and just you know, these nonsensical like pre match promos and just I don't know. He just had a really crazy energy about him that I as a child just really gravitated towards. I mean, he even just looked crazy. Like he just looked like this. I don't know. He didn't look like he was from here. He looked like he was kind of like a a wild ancient god or something like that. Um, I guess as I got older, I got more into the Undertaker and Stone Colds, and then now, but yeah, those those like as a teenager, those were those were my favorites: the Undertaker and Stone Cold and, and Bret Hart. I don't know. I could go on forever, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um. But those were those were probably my favorites around around when I was a teenager. But as a young child, like my first was definitely Ultimate Warrior, even more so than Hulk Hogan. I just liked yeah. that energy. <laughs> now the cover art. Tell us how it was working with Jim Akpalsa. Oh, that was great. I've I've worked with Jim a few times now. Um, he did the cover for Extinction Peak, which was my dinosaurs uh, apocalypse uh, novella. And he also did the cover for Gods of the Dark Web. Um, and when uh, when I was brought on to do this book for Madness Heart Press, um, John, the head editor, asked if if I had any artists in mind. And I, I mentioned Jim's name because I had worked with him before. And this was this was fun because I said, okay, there's this image from an actual match that I wanted to not not copy, but kind of get the same feel where it was just like a guy in a, in a holds and bleeding and just really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, he definitely delivered. <laughs> he, he cool. does, he does, he has a very cool style. <laughs> yes. I, I agree with that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, in the introduction to blade shop, you mentioned ghoulish, uh, yeah. please, please dash the hopes of prospective authors everywhere by telling us how long it took for you to write this novella from ide- ideation to completion. This was actually one of the hardest books. It's weird because it's such a short novella, but it was, it's one of the hardest books to write. Like John and I, talked about doing a wrestling horror book because I had already done wrestling horror with Pandemonium. And I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to just 
retread what I did with Pandemonium. Um, and so I, I had a few ideas that I, I would write and then I, I kind of would give up on. I was like, this isn't quite right. And then I landed on the idea of um, a wrestling match as, as a blood ritual and um, what that might look like and who that might affect. And and then I, I was writing it for a while. And then I just kind of, I don't know if it was a crisis of confidence or what, but I was um, I ended up putting it away for about a year. Um, and and I, and I I actually I didn't even really have any intentions to to look at it again, but one night I did, and I was like, oh, this just needs an ending, because <laughs> um, I thought I had like this, like I needed to do more, like to make it a more fleshed out story, but I actually just needed an ending. It was a very interesting experience because yeah, it took. So I would say like in terms of active writing time, I would say maybe six months, but there was that year where I didn't even look at it, so. Yeah, it was it was longer than that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it's easy for things to be misinterpreted. And I had interpreted that introduction with uh, the ghoulish conference having taken place not long before I got access to this arc. And, uh, and so I was like, Oh, God, was this some like seat of the pants? thing like no. <laughs> how does this happen you know because it, it's so it's so well thought out and, well, thank and you. i really i really like the uh the way that it kind of towards the end it was almost like a choose your own adventure <laughs> going through you know it's like well that uh, you know, I mean, it, it, and it, it makes absolute sense. And yeah, uh, yeah I really, I really did enjoy it. It, it took well, me you. back to some favored moments, you know, I mean, and I'm sure that you looked forward to scholastic sales as well. So, I mean, it, it kind of, oh, yes. it kind of brought that back as well. So wonderful, one great fun, great fun. I, I've recommended this as best I can to other people. And uh, let's see, um, what started you off on the writer's path anyway in the first place? I want you to think back and what got you started on all this. Yeah, of course. Um, so Halloween night, I was like six years old. And I, my, after... I can't remember if it was before or after trick-or-treating, but my parents wanted to show us, my brother and I, a a horror film. And they chose Stephen King's Silver Bullet. Um, and that was when I, I, that was when I put it together that these stories like movies or books or whatever, like actually came from somebody's brain. And, uh, and I, I already kind of liked the horror stuff. And so I was just like, well, I want to do that. I want to do this, you know, um, and it kind of, I don't know, it kind of branched off from there. Like I was, I would, I would make these little chat books that I would draw in and write stories in like as I was six or seven, eight years old and just try to like sell them to my neighbors and stuff. So I was, I was, yeah, it's, it, it started early for me. Um, I did have like some lulls where I would just kind of, um, you know, where I wasn't doing it, like as a teenager, you know, teenage problems, you're not thinking about writing books. Um, but, of course not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I ended up going back to it again and again. And then I, I guess around 2010 or so, I started really taking it seriously. I, I started going to writers groups and 
getting online more and seeing who is out there, who is reading and buying the stuff that I like doing. And um, yeah, I just tried kind of cultivating a following um, over these past 13 years and, you know, <laughs> doing that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So that that's that's awesome. Now, uh, you mentioned the work of Stephen King. Uh, of now, what what others do you look up to? Yeah, um, Clive Barker was another one. I feel like he's an obvious choice as well. Um, uh, but some big ones for me were also, um, and these were later, but they I think they they had just as much impact. Um, it was when I discovered Brian Keene, Brian Smith, Richard Lehman, um, Joe Hill, and um, and then I actually started reading it. Uh, Ray Bradbury, but as a fan, like I had been forced to read him in school. And because I was being forced to read him, I didn't like it. But then when I started reading it as an adult, I was like, I read the October country and I was like, this is so good. I, I love the style. Like, I mean, it's his writings, very ornate, but I don't think, I don't think any of his words like are, are wasted. Like, I think they're all, they all need to be there. He was very good at just, I don't know, still writing pretty, but not, um, I don't know, not bogging you down with like overly lush descriptions or anything like that. So he was minimalist with the... Yes, yes. Now... Which some people can do purple prose well. I, I mean, I think, you know, I think Christine Morgan can do it really well. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm sure there's other authors who can as well. I think there's there's definitely a place for it. I think there are people who just do it well. Like, I'm not one of those people who like thinks there are hard, fast rules for writing. I think, I think, I don't know if you can do something well, just if you can get away with doing it, just do it. <laughs> and this leads into my next question. Pantser or plotter? Uh, I feel like I fall somewhere in between. I think I outline, but I don't do like a real like nitty gritty outline. Cause if I'm doing that, I may as well just write the book. Um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll tend to write the first, I'll, I'll have an idea and then I'll write like the first scene without any planning whatsoever. I'll just sit down and, and, and write it. And then I'll just kind of ask myself where it can go, where it should go. Um, and then I'll just be like kind of a very loose bullet pointed. Mm -hmm. Then this happens. <laughs> then this should happen. Um, and then uh, and, into and, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a very, yeah, it's almost like a list more than a, more than like a really detailed outline. Like I, I, I listened to this interview with Justin Cronin, who wrote uh, the Passage trilogy. And, and he said he, his outline for that book was like 75 pages long. I was like, are you kidding? Why didn't you just sit down and start writing? <laughs> but I mean, obviously it worked for him. I mean, he's, you know, got those you know, got that big book deal and all that stuff. But uh, it's still, I'm just like, that's, that's a lot of outlining. That's like a novella. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I, speaking of novella form, that is, uh, that that's something that seems much more attractive to me as of late, rather than taking on like novel, you know, because yes. it's something that I haven't done before. And I've always been super intimidated by you got to generate this big block of action. And I've, I've tried to stay around the 5,000 word mark. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, so short stories mostly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. I, um, I love short stories. I feel like they're kind of sadly like becoming a lost art. Like I don't 
I don't know. Like I, it, like I, I don't, I wish I knew more people who read them. I, I like every writer I know reads short stories and I love reading short stories, but like, I don't know, like whenever I try to tell like someone who's not a writer, Oh, I have a collection. Like, and they're just like, ah, I don't, know, don't come out. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but uh, no, they're, they're fun. I think, I think they're really cool for like, I don't know. Like sometimes a story doesn't need, need more than, you know, 5,000 words or, or, you know, I think, I think they can be, I don't know. I think, I mean, short stories are fun because they can be about a single moment. Right. And you can, and, and the moment doesn't even have to be in the story. It can have happens before the story. And then the, then the story is the fallout from the moment or the story can be the lead up to the moment. The moment. I, I don't know. I, I find that approaching it from that way to be really fascinating. Now, uh, for myself, because I'm a greedy little brat, um, what would you say was the most helpful for you in figuring out novella? Oh, um, you know, I I feel like I got mostly bad advice when it came to novellas, because um, I feel like it is like this weirdly elusive thing. But, um, but for me, I think like just thinking of um novels as like a season of a tv show and a novella as a movie right so it's like because you can read it in probably about the same time as it would take to watch a movie right Mm -hmm. yeah and and if you were to kind of translate it to a visual medium it would probably come in around the 90 minutes two hour mark so i i found that like studying the structure of, of movies um is really has been really helpful for um for novellas uh for me because i think i don't know i you know how i said short stories are um like kind of about a moment and and i feel like you can you can have the novella either further explore that or maybe or you can um have you know have it have the novella can be about two moments that kind of matter and are related somehow I don't know. I think there's 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 a lot of ways you can approach it. I think they're I don't know. They're fun. I just um, I think because yeah, like sitting down and writing an eighty thousand word thing is just I don't know. Like it's it's can be hard, you know, especially when you're starting out. And I mean, honestly, it's hard at any stage of your career, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but novellas can be can be fun. Um, and I think horror, for whatever reason um, that horror, if if that's what you write. Um, horror it works really well in the novella form um, for whatever reason. I've, I've just found myself gravitating toward them more and more because they're uh, habit-wise, it is much easier to reach for and to start reading that versus do I have the time Yes, for, yes. for a 300-page thud, you know, at the, you know, right, smaller, right. like like a novella, it's so much handier. It's like it is. I feel accomplished. I've completed the reading this today. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, tell tell me also because simply because I don't know. Uh, this is my first exposure to you. Uh, the bleak season and other stories. What, what can yeah. you share about that one? That one, um, I think that's one of my best works um, since it is all short stories it's it's unfortunately not like caught on as much as a lot of my other stuff has but 
I really like that collection. It's it's four short stories, and they're all kind of meditations on grief and and loss. Um, so it's you know, whereas Blade Job is a lot more is a lot pulpier and and kind of fun. I would say um, the Bleak Season is a lot is a lot more. Um, it's, it's just a lot darker and introspective. Um, I mean, I mentioned Bradbury earlier, like. Uh, author Judith Sonnet, she she mentioned she she says that the collection reminds her of Bradbury, which was a huge compliment, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, it's got four short stories. One, um, I think, uh, two, let's see, I think one of them is like uh, the title story. The Bleak Season was never published before that collection, but um, Bone Cider and uh, Danielle's Last Dance had both been published um, before, and I think one and only I, I had on my blog uh, back in the day. Um, and yeah, I just put them all together because I felt that thematically they fit well. Um, so remind us again uh, what the uh, what the web address is for your blog. Oh, yeah, of course. So it's a, it's a newsletter now. I just do a weekly. Uh, okay. I send it out every Monday um, unless there's an emergency or something. Um and I only say that because I had issues last Monday getting one out. But usually it's every every Monday. I've been doing it for a little over a year now. Um, but uh, it's a, it's it's basically yeah, it's my name. It's lucasmangum.com. Um, and yeah, it's a it's yeah, it's at Substack. But I have the you know I bought my do- domain name or whatever. Um, and yeah, you just uh, sign up there, and I'll I'll show up in your inbox every Monday. Um, I I write about. Um, you know, I, I give writing updates, of course, but I also talk about what I'm reading and I talk about, you know, I talk about personal stuff too, like what's going on with my family and and, and mental health stuff as well, because that's a big thing for me. Um, and yeah, they're short too. I don't, I, I try not to overstay my welcome. You know, I know everybody's busy. So I'm like, you know, just over your email, get your updates for me and then get on with your day. Awesome. Well, uh, again, uh, what do you have in the works? What can we expect from you in about the next six months to a year? Okay. So, yeah. Um, so we have play job on, uh, July 14th, but then, uh, next year, I don't know what month, um, I do have a book coming out. Uh, Ooh, I actually can't really announce it. I just, oh. remember, <laughs> I'm not, I almost made a very big oh. mistake. Well, I look forward to to hearing about whatever this thing under NDA is. So <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I I, I wish I no, could. No, it's okay. It yeah. It's okay. Um, my my husband does print stuff, and he did something that was uh oh god. We had the poster on our wall because he obviously printed it, and uh, and it wasn't to be announced until E3. And oh. yeah, that year, and it was about a month ahead. And we had a technician come in and look at it. And he was like, Oh, I know what that is. And it's like, <laughs> No, you can't tell anybody. Right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Oh, that's funny. So you understand. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, Tell, tell me about your experience at the at the Ghoulish Con, because that one's fairly new. And I, I've was yeah tempted, really you should go tempted. i i've i've been twice um because they, they have it two years now um mm-hmm. and i and they're gonna do it again next year it's great for me because i live in austin and it's right in san antonio mm-hmm. i'm lucky because i also have killer con uh right in my ah. backyard um <laughs> in august um 
So I don't need to leave the state much if I want to do the convention circuit. Um, but Ghoulish is great. It's just a really, I think, I think it's really hard for a convention to strike a balance between um, hanging out and having a good time and also selling books. Um, but Ghoulish manages to strike that balance because Max is just really, um, he's just really doesn't, he doesn't, um, he doesn't do anything unless he's going to go all in on it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so he did a lot of um, local advertising and, you know, just made it a big deal. And so people were just coming in off the street to buy books. It was so exciting. And then, of course, after the dealer's room closed, then we would, you know, hang out with our friends and, you know, have a good time. It was it, it was great. I mean, it's yeah, it's a really, really good convention. That's awesome. I know I've gone to a couple on the coasts, but this one, okay. this one, that's drivable, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah that's so yeah, def- that is an advantage. Tempted. <laughs> <laughs> definitely tempted there. Um, cool. But a- again, Lucas, thank you so much for spending your time with us this afternoon. And I say oh. us, the the royal we, but I'm meaning with Legends of Tabletop and, and yes, the community no, I, here. Um, and and again, uh, have an awesome. Yeah, you too. Thank you, and I appreciate you having me and taking the time to talk to me about my stuff. I I can talk about writing all day, so I, I appreciate it. I mean, if if you would like me to extend this further, I can. Cut that, cut, <laughs> cut this, this exchange out, and then we can definitely go on now. Uh, are there any topics specifically about writing that you would like to explain? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and now you totally call my bluff because I'm like, that's that's, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, yeah. Um, no, I would say just um, you know, it's I think it's important to um, to you know listen to it. I, it's it's weird. It's it's important to to hear. I think it's important to hear advice from other from other writers, but I also think it's important to know when to trust yourself as well. And I think that's something a lot of new writers forget. I think I spent a lot of time early in my career um, listening to every bit of advice that I got and just totally neglecting. And so you end up with a book that's like almost like a a Frankenstein thing because you have like all these other bits of advice kind of trickling into it. And you, and I never, I never really thought about like, well, what, what is my vision for this project? And, and, you know, how can I take that advice and, and kind of, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like, I guess like kind of incorporate it, incorporate it into what my vision is. I think if I had done that earlier, I would have probably had like more, um, more, more success sooner. Um, and that's just, I don't know. I think I see that a lot with new writers as well. So I just, I just want to put that out there. Cause I think, I think when you're new to anything, whether it be writing or skateboarding or whatever, um, I think there is a temptation to just, you know, hang on every bit of advice you hear and just like think of it as equally important. And it's just not true. I, I understand. I just had a similar incident happen where I had to go back. And it's like, I know I can make this into a cohesive thing. And I looked at a project that I had abandoned several years ago. I had been, uh, I'd been approached to, can, can you produce a short story by deadline invited to, uh, participate in an anthology of erotic horror? Yeah. <laughs> and so I started, I started and then 
again, like you said, taking every piece of advice and it's like, my voice is so disjointed, you know, and so generic at the same time. And, uh, and, and so I was going through and I managed to clip out about 17 pages of Mm -hmm. a 3000 word document. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I just kept going around and circling around, say it different, say it different. You know? mm-hmm. And, and just figure out which one is the best way and how to put it together the right way or my, what I determine now. Yeah. Like what's going to, what's going to announce you, right? Like what's going to announce that this piece is your piece, right? Like what, yeah. what is the most you about this piece? And I think that's what you need to try to ask yourself when you're in these situations. And uh, man, <laughs> that was a, a learning experience. And and what you say is true, uh, you know, because you just open, so open to receiving any tidbit of helpful yeah. info and, and how to apply that in a way that's not going to knock you completely off course of that completed what you intend to complete with the item that you're working on at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, I think the key is to like, you look at the advice and you're like, okay, I know that they said this, but what, what are they really saying? Like, cause sometimes they'll put a note here, they'll, they'll put a note about a passage and be like, you know, um, this doesn't ring true to me or whatever. And, and you as the, as a new writer, or uh, might be tempted to be like, okay, the passage just needs to go away. And it's like, that's not necessarily the solution. It might be keep the passage in and then find a way to make it more believable or, or whatever, you know, um, or at least, you know, uh, more, uh, yeah, more believable or more in line with what the rest of the story is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they put, I feel like they'll, they'll they put a note on there for a reason, but they might not always know exactly what, the reason is like they they mm-hmm. they they might know something's not right and so they might they might jump to something generic and say like show don't tell and it's like is that really the right note here i don't know yeah because i mean you are in essence kind of telling yes but yeah so <sighs> yeah more at more adjectives you know <laughs> is that like, what you mean by this oh man ah but yeah critiquing something that we all come across at some point in time now critiquing mm-hmm. the work of other people in a gentle manner what advice would you have in that direction yeah um i would i would i would advise a few things like make sure you know who you're critiquing like know what they can handle <laughs> i guess and then also know like know if it's the right piece for you to be critiquing like if somebody sent me um epic fantasy or something like that i'd be like I can tell you from a like a grammar and spelling uh, perspective, like what's good about this, but this isn't really my genre. I don't know. I don't know all the workings of it. So I might say there's too much world building here. And then, then you might say, uh, yeah, but this is an epic fantasy novel and you need to know these things. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, because it's not our world they're writing about. And so that's totally, you know, just, I want to make sure that, if I'm critiquing something, it's something that's that either I, I like in the style of something I would write myself or, or something that I just in the genre that I just read a lot of, you know, like I'm, I'm fairly confident that any, any horror piece sent my way, I can, I can critique it. Um, but I would say like, 
I don't know with my, I've been told my notes are fairly gentle, like, but still very helpful. Like I think, I think, I think it's important to kind of frame it as like, here's what I would do or, um, or even to, instead of saying, here's what I would do, you could even um, frame it as a question like, okay, so with this passage here, like, what are you trying to get across? Like, what are you hoping this accomplishes from a narrative perspective um, or from a character reveal perspective? I think like posing things as questions more than like speaking from a place of I have all the answers mm-hmm. is just is huge, I think. Um I mean, now, if they're asking you about things that are objective, like if they're like, hey, can you just check this for typos or, or whatever? Be as feel free to be as aggressive as possible because these are objective <laughs> things, right? Like it's yeah. like, yes, you misspelled that word. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you did. <laughs> like, um, but if it's like story kind of stuff, I would say like, yeah, frame stuff more in, in questions to just try to because then that lets them know that that it, that for whatever reason it's not clear to you as a reader and then they can hopefully address that and then and, and then maybe we have a conversation about it you know and then maybe figure out exactly together like i'm i don't work well in critique group settings but i do work pretty well with like beta re- beta reading where it's like kind of a one-on-one thing where somebody's just like sends me something and they're just like hey can you look at this and like i can i can i can give pretty good advice there I, if i do say so myself <laughs> Well, that that that's wonderful to hear. Um, yes. One of the one of the things that I that I find happening sometimes is if I am sent an arc and there is more than one spelling error or something in there, I will make a list and send it back to whoever sent me the arc. Be like, you missed these. That's <laughs> important 36. because yeah, yeah be- because if that goes out into the world looking like that, I mean, then mm-hmm. that's. It's better for them to find out from you than like, you know, somebody on Amazon just giving it a one star review because like story was good, but too many typos or like, Mm -hmm. you know, or a nasty email from a reader even, which can happen. (laughs) Oh, man. I've never gotten that far, but that would that would probably kill me. Yeah, I, I haven't really gotten much in the way of direct stuff, but I have like. I have made the mistake of Googling myself and, and, you know, finding some things on Reddit where people said not very nice things about me, but, um, (laughs) but I, you know, I took that as kind of a lesson where I was like, I don't need to look myself up. I don't, I don't actually need to read reviews. Like I I really don't. If somebody tags me in a review, I'm going to assume it's something I would want to hear because like, if it's, if they're, if you're tagging me in a, in a mean negative review, like that's kind of, really awful right but like yeah i just don't really read reviews i just feel like i feel like i don't know i feel like they're just it just i don't know <laughs> it's probably showing too much of my hand but like it just takes one like if i if i read one really nasty review like it it will upset me like and i won't oh do anything God. like actively like i never like i've never contacted a reviewer over a negative review or anything like that but um but it'll like it'll mess up my day for sure <laughs> mm. yeah so i'm just like i'm just not gonna yeah like i mean i have people i trust who give me feedback and i'm like that's 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 where i'll that's where i take this it right this <laughs> proud member yeah. of the legends of tabletop broadcast network for more gaming related content please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com